0: Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. This is episode 28. Today in the podcast, I'm interviewing Mike Winlan from Roadtrekking.com. For over 40 years, Mike was one of the world's most traveled journalists with 18 Emmy Awards and a ton of honors from the Associated Press. And then five years ago, he hit the road full-time with his wife, Jennifer, in their road trek RV, hence the name of his blog. He started a little blog called Road Trekking to document his travels across North America, and it's become one of the most popular RV blogs on the internet, as Mike shares stories from people all over the country and documents the RV lifestyle. He said as a journalist, he just wasn't able to quit telling stories. A few things that we cover in today's episode are how Mike accidentally launched his second career with his road trekking blog when he's actually supposed to be retired, and also how he earns a full-time income from that blog, why Mike believes that podcasts are hands down the best form of communication, and the story behind PC Mike, a weekly tech show that Mike has hosted on NBC TV since 1994 and how as a full-time traveler at seven years old, he's more in tune with technology than ever before. This show was a blast to record. Uh, this is only my second conversation with Mike, but I already have so much respect for who he is as a person and I know you guys are going to love this interview. Today's episode is sponsored by my upcoming ebook, The RV Entrepreneur. Yes, I named it the same as this podcast. I'm really creative like that. And when I started this podcast, the goal is to document the stories of people who are traveling full-time and for them to share how they did it we were meeting a lot of these people on the road and I was hopeful that this could kind of bring a lot of those stories together for anybody who's planning that transition. I believe the podcast has been a great medium for that, but I wanted to put together a resource that was a little less story based and a little more actionable for anybody who is currently planning that transition into living full time on the road and wants to actually take some of the stories they've heard from this podcast and actually put them to use in real life. So hopefully the book will serve as that resource for you. The RV Entrepreneur ebook releases on October second. If you want to join the waitlist and be. Notified when it comes out, you can go to heathpaget.com forward slash book and enter your email. All right, let's get into today's show with Mike Windland. Mike Windland is an award winning journalist who runs the extremely popular blog RoadTrekking.com, which features stories, RV lifestyle, and technology tips and celebrates the RV lifestyle. Mike has been traveling around the country in his Road Trek motorhome since 2012. He has also won over 18 Emmy Awards, honors from the Associated Press, and he has reported all over the world and has a longtime running segment on NBC TV since 1994 titled PC Mike, which gets distributed to 215 stations each week. Mike, it's an honor. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today, man.
1: Hey Heath, it's great to be with
0: you. Hopefully, hopefully it didn't make you feel awkward just getting having me just say all these really nice things about you. Uh,
1: <laughs> my, my mother wrote that really well, don't you think? <laughs> she did. She did. She did a fantastic
0: yeah. job. But, I mean, you, you've done so much, uh, and there are so many different avenues that we could talk about on the podcast today. That was something I was thinking about before we jumped on. I was like, man, you know, Mike's in all these different amazing things, and now you, you've you jumped into the RV life. But I, But I want to know, when you guys hit the road in 2012, was this really supposed to be your quote-unquote retirement, or was this just the launch of your second career?
1: No, it's it was not. It was just <laughs> going to be, you know, as a reporter, I, you know, I traveled everywhere. I was always on the road all over the country, all over the world. And sometimes I would, you know, they they would send me out on something and I'd fly uh, based in Detroit. I'd fly from Detroit to Denver, you know, and and uh, and then they'd say I'd be ready to come home from doing a story in Denver and they'd call and they'd say, Hey, there's been this happening in uh, Los Angeles on your way back. Can you stop there? And I'd say, well, it's not on my way back. <laughs> it's the other end. And they didn't care. I'd go there and then I'd go somewhere else. And, you know, I, I love to travel. It was really fun. I saw a lot of the country. But basically, I was using the country as a backdrop for a stand-up. Or if it was a newspaper story, I would get in and get enough to describe the area and whatever the story was. And then, bam, I'm out again. And so when I... Left Daily Journalism, I said, I would love to go back to some of those places and um, take my wife, Jennifer, and we'll just kind of go and explore. And we did. But I am a journalist. I'm a storyteller. And I started a little blog up just to keep my friends and family informed what we're doing. And that was it. It started. There's a lot of people. Everybody has a travel blog. Everybody thinks they're a blogger. And most blogs (laughs) are really bad. I mean (laughs) – I mean, literally, I probably hear from ten people a week saying, "Would you uh, take a look at my blog and use? Can you use anybody on your website?" And it's just really bad. And <laughs> uh, you know, so you know, I don't want to hurt people's feelings, so I ignore them. But I did this just you know um, on my own because I love to travel and love to see things, and and it got picked up. And I think it, you know, for one thing, had a lot of contacts, a lot of people followed, and a lot of people in the media say, "Hey, look what Mike's doing," and then they did stories on it, and pretty soon I had a following and. And uh, sponsors, and then we started a podcast and videos, and and um, now it's like a full time job plus. Although we're still doing this because that's what we want to do, and we're really having fun traveling and doing it. So, uh, so so the long long way around to end that answer that story is it, it, I had no idea <laughs> <laughs> if this is what would uh, consume this part of my life, uh, but it, it's the most fun I've ever had. And it's uh, it's just changed a lot of my perspective about this country and North America and the people we meet. And, all oh, my negativity from being a journalist is gone. And I realize <laughs> there's a lot more good in this country than there is evil and bad. And not that we don't have our problem with that, but uh, uh, I trust the people. And, and there's so much to see out there so much to see. It's just fascinating. Every place. I've never gone somewhere and not found one or two stories to do.
0: So so you felt like uh, the journalism world had you a little jaded?
1: Uh, I would say, yeah, <laughs> more than just a little jaded. I, I started out like all journalists, you know, being sort of a skeptic. And that's good. You should not fall for everything. And you know, I cover, I was an investigative reporter. So my job, my beat was the mob for a long time and governmental corruption. And when did you start? Uh, I started, you know, at the age of 21. So years ago, I had, I spent 40 years in the media, most of it doing investigative journalism. And, you know, so that skepticism gives way to, um, to cynicism really quick. And cynicism is a pretty insidious thing state to be in it's just negative you see the worst in everything and and there's a lot of stress to daily journalism um adrenaline it's fun you know covering the breaking story is always fun but but when all you see is bad and over decades all you see is bad you begin to think that that's the way it really is and of course um just these five years now of traveling in an rv and telling essentially good stories I realize that uh, the bad far the the reason we hear about the bad is because it is so unusual. It really is. It it's uh, there, there's more good out there than bad.
0: Absolutely. I mean. I can say that the first year Alyssa and I were traveling around the country that that was a big thing that we discovered too was we were traveling around working different jobs, uh, interviewing hourly workers for our Hourly America documentary, basically spending a day with them and then meeting other people in campgrounds or whatever. And it was before we left, we weren't really sure what to expect, you know, and our parents coming from a small town and and friends and things like that, when we had gotten back, someone's like, how many times did you did you almost get robbed? And I was like, none, you know, that didn't happen. We actually met a lot of really amazing people, strangers who open up their driveways. And it really does give you a a greater sense. And I wasn't coming from a place of being in journalism for 40 years. I'd just come out of college. And so, but I definitely noticed that too. Do you guys think, do you and Jennifer feel like having road trekking and the blog and all that you are doing now on the road, having that sense of mission is more meaningful and fulfilling versus kind of just traveling around? Not that there's anything wrong with that, but...
1: No, no, I I do. I definitely do. In fact, we we were at the big RV show in Hershey, Pennsylvania this past week. And um, somebody from Texas, one of our listeners and and readers uh, flew out there actually to to buy the same kind of RV we had. And uh, he used an interesting word. He said, uh, we are really touched by your ministry. And my wife and I looked at each other. Now, my wife and I are Christians, we are, which is very unusual for a news person to be but we are very um, avid Christians but he looked at us and i realized wow i've never thought of that word in terms of but i think i think we are i think there is this sense of mission of um of just telling these untold stories and and shining light into all the neat things that there are in this country and, and uh so so that yeah I, I i do feel that uh you know we don't we're not wasting our time out there it's not really self-indulgent it's uh I just love to tell stories. I love to dig into what's going on out there in the world, and uh, love the history. I've never been as much of a history fan as I am now, but every little town has an incredible history to it. And we've learned little tricks on how to pick up on that history and find the great stuff when we're out there. But um, yeah, it's a, it's it is a sense of uh, of being uh, being on purpose, you know, having having a reason to do this stuff.
0: I love that being on purpose. That's great when you're. When you guys are going to a new place I don't know if you're like me Alyssa has to pull me out of uh, some of these shops sometimes like we did the Alaskan Highway last summer and we were up at this very touristy spot in Fairbanks and I picked up a book on the Alcan and how they built it and how after World War two it was defense uh, up on the Canadian border and all these different factors and all the you know how how much trouble they had with permafrost and I'm just fascinated because it's one thing to go to a place, but when you can read the actual history of that spot, um, I think it gives you a totally different, uh, higher appreciation for it. Do you, do you just, are you finding yourself like, are you just reading the, you know, kind of the historical markers? Are you doing research online? How do you
1: kind of? We we, we have a couple of approaches. Usually it's, and the same thing happened to me by the way up in Alaska. I don't remember where we were. We were somewhere and uh, got on with some uh, some some uh, Eskimo folks, some Inuit folks, and they were hunting seals in this harbor in a little boat with a 22. And there was this big breakwater. I mean, a big breakwater that you you drove out. You could drive out on it. Some people fished on it. They launched their boats off of it. One on forever. And I, I was wondering, you know, this little tiny village. What is that? And he said, Oh, that used to be a landing strip for B-52s or whatever during World War II, and that's how they built that. So, said, wow, that's interesting. But for us, well, you know, we try and travel as little as possible now on the interstates. Now, there's sometimes you have to because you're, you know, you gotta be point A and point B tomorrow. But, but generally, uh, we were in a smaller camper van type RV, you know, a Class B RV, a road trek, and uh, we can ride these two lane roads really easily. And so we go that way. It takes us always, you know, hours longer, but. I can't stop stopping, stop from stopping in almost every town we go through. And, and uh, the, one of the first places we always go is the bookstore or the general store or wherever the Emporium is. And every town has written their history. Have you noticed that? They all have a little tiny book. Some are skinny, but like, like they all have the history. And I always go right to that rack and start looking through that. And oftentimes I'll buy that book. because They're only a couple, three bucks, five bucks, whatever. And it tells you so much about the area. And then the other, the other secret is always eat. Don't ever eat in fast food places. Always go to the mom and pop stars. And I'm a big guy. I believe in eavesdropping. I love to just sit in those little <laughs> counters or wherever and, uh, and just listen. Sometimes uh, Jennifer will sleep in and I'll sneak out and, and make my way to one of these little uh, mom and pop coffee shops early in the morning and listen to all the locals, what they're talking about. And these days, wherever you go, it's high school football. Man, high school, I had no idea high school football was as big as it is in this country, particularly in the South and oh Southwest. Gosh.
0: In Texas. But high
1: school football is where it all comes together.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I grew up in Southeast Texas, and it's a, it's oh, yeah. a religion of its own. I mean. Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Yes. it's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they spend millions of dollars on their stadium, and everybody else in the town who's not a fanatic football fan, all 12 of them are kind of upset of the budget's not going to other places. But anyway, that's yeah, yeah. I, I love your style of travel. I mean, we – It's been interesting, too, because like I feel like when we've been on the road, it's been hard to break that mentality of just being on the interstate and wanting to just get to where I'm going. It's like I almost feel like I have to retrain my mind to say, no, it's okay to to go take the inter to take the non interstate roads, take the highways or scenic byways or whatever, uh, even though they're going to take longer. Because, you know, why are you doing this if you're just rushing to the next destination? But it's like almost ingrained in. Who you are? I don't know if you feel like you had to break that, or you were just good right yeah, out. Yeah, well,
1: we did. We did, and I remember the first couple times I, I was, you know, I would do. Uh, hey, we did 680 miles yesterday. Let's break it tomorrow. And <laughs> we did 710. Why? Um, so I we adopted a rule about. Uh, well, we added a, a couple of them that we follow. Uh, one is uh, the, probably the top one is that what we call the 330 rule, and that is that we will not go any further, any further. Sometimes we don't even go that far, but any further than 330 miles, or we stop no later than 3.30 in the afternoon. And that is depending on what time you start in the morning. If you start at nine, about the if you drive 330 miles, it's going to take you until early afternoon. And uh, we found that if you always follow that rule, and I can't say I'm 100% on that, I try, but if you follow that rule generally, you will find that you can explore that area You may want to stay an extra day after after, you know you still have time to set up camp and go out and explore learn a little bit about the area sightsee see whatever is available but uh, so we try that rule and the other rule is our we just call our serendipity rule which is and we'll look at each other and we'll be 10 miles down the road and we'll see something and we'll just turn to each other we'll smile serendipity and that means we're going to stop and we did that just the other day down in georgia we pulled off I-85, we were driving, and we ended up finding Roosevelt's little White House. Wow. Where where this guy, I mean, think about it. He he ran, got us through the Great Depression, and he got us through those first horrible days of World War II from basically a two-room cottage in the piney woods in rural Georgia. They had no internet. They had spotty, long-distance phone calls, and yet he did that all there. So we ended up staying like four days in this area we, that led us to a state park and to a huge uh preserve a forest preserve and man we, knew we would have found this stuff if we had uh we were just focused on going from point a to point b
0: yeah i love that did you have any uh there's a there's a book a travel book it was a, something about blue is it blue highways is that the name yeah, of you know, it
1: blue highways is, 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 was william uh, half least or something i think his name is it came out back in the I think even in the '60s, and that was a, a that's one of the classics out there now, the blue highways. And of course, you know, there's the old Jack Kerouac on the road, on the you know his old stories. And um, Charles Carrol used to do it. Uh, man had apparently two families, I hear. <laughs> I <didn't> realize <laughs> that in different parts of the country, uh, he did it in a motorhome. And uh, um, oh, Steinbach wrote Travels with Charlie and. We used to read all those books and uh, some other guy wrote one walking across America. I'm a big bike rider. I used to do cross country or cross state bike rides. I always wanted to go cross state on a bike. So I've read all those books. But, um, you know, it's the times have changed. But the philosophy is the same. Just slow down and look around. And oh, my gosh, you'll have more to do every day than you know what to do.
0: You I mean, you have a really interesting take on the RVing world, because even though you may not have been in it during your journalism days, I'm sure you at least you were aware of these books and this philosophy and this kind of idealism of uh, kind of leaving behind the standard American dream and kind of rediscovering America. I mean, do you have kind of a, a take on that as you've seen it over the years and maybe how it's changed or how it hasn't changed?
1: well i thought i knew america i mean i have been everywhere really as a reporter uh literally everywhere every major city and almost every state and uh, i figured i really knew it but um but i didn't and so for me it's discovering not no much so much rediscovering but uh i think that you know the the country has not well i caution that i want to say it hasn't changed and then it has what has changed is technology and that is both good and bad. Uh, I, I'm, I'm st- stunned when I travel over the last two months and uh, we'll go to a park. We always end up in parks. I have a, we travel with our dog. And so we find dog parks. And so every day, you know, whatever community and we'll find the best park and we'll walk around there and you learn about the community. But what I've noticed over the last two months is all these people that are out there. I mean, it's just like really crowded and it's because of Pokemon. Oh man. There are tens of thousands of people now wandering around, getting exercise, being outside. Yes, they, they have a little device in front of them that they're following to play this silly little game. But it's like, wow, look, everybody is outside. Uh, and I realized that, that how technology has changed. That's one that's thing. Technology has made us much more insular, it's kept so many people inside. Uh, connected with screens rather than uh, the outdoors or people. Um, but the larger issue of the, of our country and people just trying to earn a living and raise their families and make a make a living out there. It's all out there. It's, it's all the same as it ever was. Uh, most people live quiet lives. Uh, they don't cause any issues. They uh, love their families. Uh, you know, they're, they're doing the best they can. Uh, but technology, uh, has put so many people, you know, with blinders on and yet on my end of it, it has opened up so many possibilities for people to do what we're doing to travel and to work and to find jobs and to start businesses. And and man, that is the exciting thing to me that I wish I had known years before, uh, because I think I would have done this years before I would have left the daily grind and just gone out and did this, I, I'm, I'm making as much money now or, or more than I did back in daily journalism, and I didn't even expect that to happen, so <laughs> this has been fun.
0: <laughs> if you would have known then, yeah. So, I mean, let's yeah, let's talk about road trekking and, and what you're doing now, and because you've been in traditional journalism, you were in that for 40 years, and with ro- the road trekking brand you've built up, you have essentially your own media company now, your own media business. You've got, uh, in the beginning of starting this new blog, how did you, you know, how did you use the skills that you built up in journalism to to start road trekking? Because, like you said, a lot of people, the first thing a lot of people do whenever they hit the road in an RV is they start a travel blog. So there's like a million of these blogs out there, and most of them are kind of just travel diaries. You know, here's what I yeah, did today, yeah. here's what I seen, right. um, and so you. Yes, you had a lot of your contacts in the in the journalism world but there's also a lot of you know I looked back on your archives back to 2012 when you guys were first in the road and you were publishing like 10 blogs a month at least 10 uh, and so there's a there's a sense of you were contributing you can work well under deadline. So what kind of these skills did you use from journalism to help build road tracking into what it is over a million downloads on your podcast like 300,000 likes on your Facebook you know a thriving community online.
1: We're up to two million now. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, my, really, <laughs> I'm, I'm for a press release. Uh, you know, it, you know, mine is it is a it's a travel blog. Is how uh, when people ask me what do you do, I say I'm now I'm a travel writer, and and that is exactly it. The, you know, the the cliche that for the internet that content is king. Uh, started 20 years ago, right after we started to have web browsers and the internet become accessible. But it's at equally true today, if not more, so content is king, people want to read the stories, I think that we're coming up with the uh, things that you and, and, and your wife are sharing on the road. Um, these are adventures. And, and this is deep in the heart of everybody, we all want to travel, we all want to explore, we want to see. So when I when I write a story, it's like, Well, what's interesting about this? We just came back from Hershey, Pennsylvania, and we did a story on the history of chocolate, milk chocolate. It was fascinating, fascinating story. And everybody likes milk chocolate, and so I I wrote a piece on that. And uh, whatever we do, pretty much I write a story on. But I write a story. I don't say, this is what we did, this is where we went, this is how much we spent. Some of that stuff will will wind its way in there. But I write a fairly well-crafted um, story, a travel story that takes you inside. Now some of our other stories uh, on the blog, I've brought on some uh, other people I know who helped me as uh, with content and uh, they, they'll share how to advice or, you know, modifications they've done. So we have a mix of stuff on it. But we have fresh content pretty much every single day on that blog, which is my central process, my central uh, product. That's my main thing, the, the blog. And then we started a newsletter that's got about 20,000 subscribers and um, but all that comes back to the blog, and all of that comes back to telling stories about North America. The, it's not about the RV. Uh, the RV is just the vehicle that gets us from Kansas to Utah or Montana down to Louisiana. It's just the vehicle, and uh, literally the vehicle. And it's also you know the means by which we go there. But it's what we experience and see on the road that's the story and the people and the places. Now that's all good for us. You know you're a contact guy and a and a creative guy and and uh, and I think that's what we are too. But even if you don't write, there's so many ways that you can go out there. We have some friends who all just recently retired as well, and they've been on the road now mostly full time for a little over a year. And they uh, they're on their way right now to um, North Dakota, and they're going to work for three months counting sugar beets. Sounds counting crazy, sugar right? Beets. But they got a free place to stay in their RV. They're going to experience uh, south uh, uh, southeast North Dakota. They're going to be working for some big sugar beet pro uh, growers in a rural area. They've never lived in a rural area, and they're going to get to know people. They the farmers will bring in the sugar beet trucks. They check the sugar content. I don't know how you do that. But, uh, I don't think you bite into it. There's some device, I'm sure. How many sugar beets are they the big load? And then they tell him where to go dump them. And, and the guy's making really good money. And he'll do that for a couple of months. And then he's leaving there at the end of October, the end of sugar beet season, I guess. And he's going down to Campbell. I think it's Campbell, Kentucky. And he's going to work as an Amazon work camper for the Christmas season. That's a 12 hour a day job. They are so excited about this. Earlier this summer, they worked at, uh, as camp hosts at a, at a campground and um, they didn't have to clean anything they just had to meet people and tell them little stories about the area so you know they're not are they getting rich no are they paying for their camping and their exploration more than that they're they're actually making a little bit of money and having a ball doing it and i guess that's the thing that i, I love about this lifestyle there's so many other things people can do and, and you know it doesn't have to cost you a whole lot of money and and see this, like, go see it now. Don't you don't want to wait until you're 80 years old or 70 years old? Do it now, it's, <laughs> it's
0: there. Yeah, I uh, quick question. I hope, hope you don't take this wrong way. I was just wondering, how old are you?
1: <laughs> I am uh, 70 years old.
0: 70, I think. 70 I think now. you're the only 70 uh, year old I know that actually has a vlog. Oh my gosh, which is awesome. Be,
1: I, my first blog, no, which vlog. Was the, Oh, vlog. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Been, but even that I've been doing for, forever. But yeah. Although I, I've moved on from the vlog because you don't need to do it with Facebook Live. The quality mm-hmm. of the I've been doing Facebook Live reports now for three or four months. And uh, the quality of the video from my cell phone is stunning. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it each one of those picks up so several thousand people watch it live, you know, and it's it's pretty fun. But uh yeah my you know i don't I don't feel my age, and I think you know seventy's the new fifty they say, so <laughs> I think that's what it is. I still wake up every morning with more things I wanna do than I ever do. I get really excited about everything and someday I'll grow up my wife says she's <laughs> as bad as I am, so no
0: that's, <laughs> that's a, I mean that's encouraging for someone like me because you wanna. I don't know. I feel like I'm – I hope I'm always a guy who wants to keep doing stuff, you know. And uh, everyone says it's hard to hit a moving target as you get older and just to keep doing things. And, and it's ins- well, it's inspiring. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. I For me, it's – I I continually reinvent myself. Uh, I think that's that's the thing. Uh, and I am I love to learn new things. I mean I, um, three years ago, I didn't know much about photography. And I said, "Yeah, well, I want to take – I want to go get – I had a picture in mind. I wanted a picture of a moose in the wild that had just stuck its head underwater and and had brought it up, and the water's dripping off the huge antlers. Well, I'm looking at it right now. It's actually behind me on my on my wall. I got that picture up at Glacier National Park. But I ended up uh, during the off season, from January through March, I took like um, four online college credit photography uh, courses, and. Um, bought some gear and, and learned how to take landscape photography. This year, I've, I've learned how to do uh, astrophotography at night, you know, to get the Milky Way. And then I, I learned, uh, even though I was in the media and in television a long time, I, I didn't know how to video edit. So I, I down to do my own video editing and um, podcasting. And, the, you know, there's a lot of tech. This sounds so easy to people. But as you'll, you know, particularly on the road, um, you know, it's setting up all this, you end up setting up a thing, and you got a hum and how do to get rid of that um in the background and, <laughs> so I, I love technology and playing around with that. And I'm an amateur radio operator, ham radio operator. I love to set up these stations and I've done a couple of those all over the country as well and back country and uh, so ah, you know there's just so many things you can do and reinventing myself is something I do all the time. Whatever I find something I'm interested in I learn as much as I can about it and check it off the list and then move on to something else.
0: Yeah, so many, so many people lose. It seems like so many people lose touch with technology as they get older. I mean, it's and for you, you've done the opposite. I mean, you've had a segment on technology for how many years now?
1: This started the PC mic section that uh, the NBC News Channel distributes to all 215 stations. Started in 1994, right after we started web browsers. I'm still amazed I'm doing that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But it, I, I now do it from the RV. When we first started, it required a producer, a, a dedicated videographer, a sound person, a light person, and then eventually the light guy left, and then then we did <laughs> the sound guy, and we kind of combined that, and then it became ENG or electronic news gathering, one camcorder, and, and now you do it all yourself, and it's it's uh, amazing. But you know the the sad thing is, I keep saying that everybody can do this, but as you know, um, you're an entrepreneur. Um, I don't think any but about 15% of the public are entrepreneurs. Most people are very content to take whatever life gives them uh, to get stuck in a job that well, it's got security, you know, and they stay at something that they really don't like. And they do kind of a half assed job of it, you know, but they're getting a paycheck. And I uh, you know, it requires a whole a mindset that, you know, hey, I can do this. And if I can't, if it doesn't work out, I'll do something else. And I think that's the, the difference for a lot of this, this, this having this entrepreneurial spirit of uh, I'm going to figure out how to do it, how to do it well. And then if I don't like it, I'll do something else.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I mean, on road trekking, you've got videos, podcasts, how-to articles, travel tips, and so much more. Uh, how much time – I know you guys are spending uh, two to three weeks on the road each month, and then you do have a home base. So what's kind of been your strategy? Have you had to relearn? I mean, because you weren't – were you blogging and, and doing a lot of this, quote-unquote, would you call it new media versus traditional journalism? Because you were writing – were you doing just articles in print, or were you doing video as well, and how was – you know, I'm kind of trying to understand better how you've developed your strategy on road trekking and building it up as much as you have, because I know you kind of make it sound easy. You're like, yeah, I put a bunch of articles out there, but I know there's more intentionality behind it than that. Well,
1: uh, yeah, I was in New Media before we called it New Media. Uh, I I worked for a place called the Pointer Institute uh, for Media Studies. That's down in St. Petersburg. It's kind of like a think tank for journalists, uh, mid-career journalists to improve their skills. And. I actually taught a lot of this stuff down there for many years. I was a, a guest a teacher, and then I was uh, I came aboard um, as an associate for a while. I think I think that was my title. I don't remember. So I, I watched the internet, and I, I I recognized right away as an investigative reporter that the internet was just going to change everything, and it was a good change. I remember telling students at the Pointer Institute that. Pretty soon people are not going to read your newspapers. So you've got to learn this stuff. And they almost booed me out of there. And that happened. And I learned a lot about new media. I've always liked radio. I've always liked television and and, uh, the technology end of it. But um, so so I did have have those skills and that understanding, you know, when I retired. And then I said, well, I'll just keep doing the blog. I'll start the blog. But in terms of intentionality, it, it you know, uh, I'm not had any grand strategy. I started with the blog and I realized, well, let's start a newsletter. And I started a newsletter and I, oh, I got to find a way to pay all this bandwidth and, and the traveling. And um, I, I made a couple of tentative calls and found a couple of RV dealers that wanted to sponsor me. And then that grew. And now people call me up and, and want to sponsor and, and the podcast. But I work every day. I get up. Very early. I'm uh, usually uh, from seven till about nine. I am updating the, the blog and going through. Um, I have a, some really active Facebook a Facebook group and a Facebook page. And so uh, i although I have some volunteer help with moderating all that. You know what a mess Facebook is if you don't supervise the kids as right. they play. <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, that takes a lot of time, but from seven to nine, I, I, I get new content up on the on the blog and, and uh, make sure social media is be everybody's be playing nice together. And then uh, and then I'll usually travel or if we're on the road, I'll go find the the, the day's activity, which is always a euphemism for whatever I'm going to write about that day or take video or do a story. And then the end of the day is uh, usually spent uh, just uh, thinking about it, looking at the pictures, editing the pictures, editing the video. Uh, I'll write the story. I'm a pretty fast writer. Uh, that's probably my main fault because I don't really copy read myself very much because I put it up and a lot of typos go through. But uh, I every now and then you hear from well, I'm a I'm a teacher, been an educator for 20 years. And do you know that you used the wrong word in this sentence? And I'm like, gee, okay, that's <laughs> all you noticed in the whole story. The grammar no. Nazis. Yeah, and uh, so. I'll, I'll get that all written and done, and seven o'clock, and then I'll do another sweep of social media before I go to bed. And make sure everybody's good. And usually update stuff of my own. I, it's probably fifty hours a week I'm putting into it all, but man, they're good fifty hours. And with the technology, you can do this from anywhere, uh, in the RV, out on the road. Uh, I've done it from sitting on a on a rock on top of a mountain uh, on some days. So it's. it's uh, but the growth of it is, you know, I haven't. I wish I could sound, say I had some great strategy. I, I don't. It's just that I think people are hungry for good news. And um, I think everybody wants to travel. That's everybody's bucket list. And so um, a lot of people tell us that, you know, they're doing this virtually through us as they watch Jennifer and I, my wife and I, uh, travel and share our adventures. So um, it's it's been a great ride. And I, I'm looking forward to it. still several more years of all this. Until I get too
0: old. You know? <laughs> with uh, with road trekking, sorry, there was a guy uh, blaring his motorcycle out the window a minute ago. But with uh, with road trekking, you said that you approach some sponsors, and then you guys uh, started having people come to you as your podcast is getting downloads two million times, and then you know a lot of your videos and all that other all the content people are following. Uh, what has, what's kind of the overarching business with road trekking? Is it mostly sponsors? Do you have other partnerships, uh, refer products that you refer? You said you had a full-time income that's coming in just from road trekking. So what does that look like for other people that may be interested in building up blogs and things of that? Nature? Um,
1: the, the sponsorship is probably the biggest thing. Uh, you know, we branched out, we have a store that we sell some products and, and, uh, you know, like we've made up some T-shirts and some hats, and we have some people that we're partnered with that provide screens for uh, vans, for Class B's, you know, uh, screens to keep the bugs out, and so so we sell some of that. I do a lot of uh, ad on my site from Google, and, and do quite well with all of that. And then uh, the sponsors uh, who who want to sponsor the podcast, you know, the podcast is so powerful. I. I almost hate to say this, because there are so many bad podcasts out there. That's another thing. Everybody thinks they have a podcast. And, and so they just start offering their opinion on something and they can't understand why nobody wants to listen to them when they haven't, they haven't uh, shown why they should listen to them. But um, but podcasts, uh, if you do it with regularity, and you work and you concentrate on the content, and you do it over time, it is the single most powerful medium I've ever experienced. And I've been in print magazines. I still write for a couple of magazines and uh, I still do NBC um, but in uh, television, but it is a podcast. And my theory on that Heath is that people are putting us in their ear. I mean that is pretty amazing. They put us in their ear and uh, either through through you know earbuds, or with an RV, you know, if you are right listening to us, we have a captive audience, because they're listening to us <laughs> as they go down the highway. And, yeah. And, uh, I'm amazed sometimes people will say, I've listened to all 106 of your episodes. Wow. you gotta be kidding. <laughs> sometimes they'll say, yeah, we just drove, drove across the country and we listened all the way down, like, oh <laughs> my gosh. But, uh, you know, for, for people who want to start off something like this, the first thing is you have to do is get some credentials. I mean, you know, you just can't start and say, well, read me because I'm interesting. Well, if people got to know who you are, and and that's I guess I had an unfair advantage. And in, in, if, if you want to use those words, and that I did have a lot of people who knew my name and and knew who I was, and and I was able to you know uh, get a lot more people watching and listening and reading faster than most people will. But I would say pick a niche and not something as broad as RV travel. I mean, even I didn't do that. I just picked. our our particular style of travel, which is boondocking off the grid and away from most campgrounds and in a smaller RV, a smaller vehicle, a class B, a camper van type vehicle. So, you know, I would urge people to find something that they are really interested in and, 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 and make it as specific as possible. In your case, you know, you're doing entrepreneurs and you're targeting, I know a lot of, of 20 somethings, right? Yep. Well, Well, that's a huge market. But if you target everybody, you know it's like okay, you know how do, you can't be everything to anyone. So uh, if you uh, love to kayak, to target kayakers and uh, start a an active blog on kayaking. Kayak every state, like you did the hourly thing. Kayak in every state. If you are a photographer, uh, do a place on dark skies and visit every dark sky preserve in America and uh, and and do blog posts about that and how to do it and. You know, what uh, tripod you want to use for, for that and how to how to make the star trails come together and show people how if you're into, um, you know, I, I know a woman who lives in a travel trailer out in uh, in in Wyoming. She loves Yellowstone National Park and she loves the the wolves out there. So she started a, a blog just about that and has a great following. She's ended up becoming uh, uh, published in National Geographic uh, Explorer and she's uh, selling her photos These stunning photos. She takes we met her when we were out there three or four years ago. She's a former cop who got hurt in an accident and kind of burned out and took a course in photography and it happened to be in a National Park and she fell in love with it. And then she found Yellowstone. And so, so my idea is find a niche. Don't just throw it out there for everybody. Find one thing that you know a lot about that you are passionate about. That's the key. If you're not passionate about it, I mean, that you would do it for free, then don't do it. And um, that, that's, that's my advice. But there's so many things that people want to learn about and, and read about. If you're a, a, a deer hunter and you hunt with uh, archery, then specialize in that and visit in your RV all of the places. Or you don't even have to have an RV. You can, you can go to hunting lodges and stay. But don't expect to get anybody paying for this as a sponsor until you build up a following. So your first intent is to build up a following, have a relationship with people who read you and then uh, and then grow it from there.
0: Yeah. Would you you almost say that building up a following should almost come second after you're getting your quote unquote credentials? Because I was kind of hearing you say that as well. It's like there's so many people
1: go ahead sure they come together i mean start off with with doing it and then you know you've got to get your word out now there's a lot of people who and this is this you know i i i understand they probably don't understand how rude it is but for example i've worked really hard for five years to get a following on facebook and we'll get somebody who'll join one of our groups or our page and they'll join and they never contribute but they'll say come read my blog Mm mm-hmm well, you're trying to poach my audience. Stop it. That's not fair. That's rude. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And instead of becoming a part of that audience and say, hey, uh, I'm here's a picture of where we are in Missouri. Look how beautiful the, the last night's sunset was. And interacting with other people and building relationships with them. And then then after you're, I don't have any problem with people who are regular contributors to our community and our Facebook group from Posting their blog posts. That's great. But these people who just want to come in and poach out, that's not how you do it. So you get a name and a following by by being a contributor and, and building relationships one on one online. And it will come. But, it, you know, it's it's a, at least a year long process of a lot of work. If you're trying to do this to make an income. And then again if the more specialized your niche is, the easier it will become to you because you'll quickly you'll know because that's your passion where all the people are congregating to talk and share their enthusiasm for that topic. And then you become known among them as a contributor not as somebody saying come read my blog um, and it will work out I think you know, if, if you just put in the time and and, uh, and the effort to build a relationship, but the content does come first. First, start writing the content.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's great advice. When uh talking about the sponsorships and things like that, how do you price that? You know, like when I'm sure you, you've had you've had a learning curve over the past few years. Do you price it per thousand downloads or have it's, Yeah, go you ahead.
1: No, I just price it. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, the first ones that, that came up was like ridiculous. I said, oh, about this? And they said, okay. And then And then they wanted to re-up and uh, I I do them all mine for a minimum of six months, preferably a year, because it's not worth doing it for a couple of weeks and stuff. And um, and then I would I raised it a little more and a little more. So I have no idea. I mean, (laughs) if I was really smart, you know, I would probably find a business consultant. Of course, they're going to take more of it. And I would develop a real strategy and a plan. But I don't price it for download because it's so different. A podcast is so personal. I mean, a, a 500 listeners to a podcast will respond to uh, a, a spot, uh, an ad on a podcast, a hundred times more readily than somebody who looks at a banner ad would, because it's personal. You have you, the host, has a, have a relationship with the audience, and so. They're listening to what you say, so I, and that's the other thing. I'm very careful now of who I do have as a sponsor, so that I, I know I can be proud of all of them. And I usually I, I meet or have met them or some have some sort of relationship with them. Uh, I've got like 10 people who want a sponsor that I just I don't have room for. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna add more more stuff just to have sponsors. And uh, but I, I don't have a, a pricing strategy. I to raise it a little bit every time. And I probably could make a whole lot more money if I was really smarter about it. But you know, that's, it sounds crazy to say, but the money is not the issue. I I would still do all of this probably for nothing. Yeah. I love it.
0: And that's something I've, I've, it's been a small learning curve for me. I've just been doing the podcast since uh, mid February and we've had, I think four companies come in and sponsor and they've all been inbound opportunities. Like they saw us featured in places and travel and they, you know, they reached out and they heard something and I was like, yeah, here's a, here's price, you know, we'll charge, you know, I think the first one was like 500 bucks for two episodes. Cause you know, we told them the downloads and they were like, Oh, that sounds great and fair. And I was like, okay, but it was a lot of work for just a one-off sponsorships coming in for just one month and you know i want to make sure that over t- I, I realized that it was taking a lot of time away from doing the actual podcast and i realized you know what i'm still way too early on to be fixated on this so much i wa- i would like to create longer term relationships like you have with with sponsors, people you're using and you really can cultivate relationships with because you believe in what they're doing. So I was like, I'm just going to focus on producing content. That's why if anybody's listening, they haven't heard sponsors over the last several episodes, probably the last 10 or 15, because I was like, you know, I'm just going to focus on building out this podcast and providing as much value with the hope and thought that those will come organically over time if the show is continuously being valuable, if that makes well,
1: sense. And that's exactly the way it was because the good sponsors will find you and say, hey, we want to, be aligned with you. We like what you're doing. We know people respect you. You are an authority in this and and we want to have our brand associated and, and I, make them sell themselves to a little bit. You know, other things and I noticed you're doing this, for example, you can put together a little e-course, the things that you've learned. People want to study. They want to get more deeply involved. Uh, e-books, uh, you know, uh, there's great software now that will take every bit of content and turn it into really nice looking books and uh, there's all sorts of ways to monetize, uh, you know, online content and newsletters are another thing. And uh, I haven't really maximized any of those things. I just have kind of, um, you know, I, I'm doing well. I'm sure I could do a whole lot better. And, and but that's not why I'm doing this. And, and I want to I want to be in such a position that if I say, you know, OK, we've done that. We're, let's take a break for six months that I don't have to say, oh, I have to keep doing this. Uh, so I, I write almost all my agreements uh, with my sponsors for six months, a six month commitment. And, um, and then the rates are negotiable after that, or, you know, I've actually toyed around with uh, making, you know, trying to find one or two main sponsors, charging them a whole bunch and no, no one else. But uh, I've met with other people say, Oh, don't do that, please. Cause we can't afford a lot more, but, but, you know, we really have been able to find a good relationship with our customers through your podcast or your blog. And So, you know, that's a whole hat that I'm never I'm not used to wearing. And I'm sure (laughs) I'm sure I should get some business consultation. I I, I do want to caution people. and I bet you've encountered this against the gurus. They're the biggest online industry out there are people who want to market the online industry. And so they're selling software. There's one that's going on right now where you can build an Amazon store and you can sell everything on Amazon on your own website and you get these great commissions. Well, here's the deal folks that has been tried for the last 10 years by three or four people who've made a lot. Now they're making it available to everybody and Amazon is, is going to pull the plug on this or if Amazon doesn't plug the plug on that it's so diluted because they've sold it to so many thousands of people promising them that they'll get rich. Every day you hear these guys uh, telling how you can make more money, how you can do this, Mm -hmm. how you can make money through a list. Take my course, learn this, buy this product. Don't buy any of it, they're all charlatans. They all give you fake accounts and how much money they've made, they give you fake information. I say this because when I was just about to retire from daily media, I realized, well, I'm gonna go, I'd like to have some income online. And I took a bunch of these courses. I ripped off in every single one of them, all of them. how to have at one time I had 125 blogs, because some wow. people said, Yep, you can make uh, $10 a day on every one of them. Just do the math. And so, like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> Just insane. And uh, it, it, so I bring this all circle back to if uh, people, I uh, want to travel and want to make money by writing or, or producing something, do not listen to these online gurus. They're all con men and the only way they make money is by selling people Their so called tips on how to make money.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's something I've brought up on several episodes of this podcast. Just people, uh, yeah, being weary of people who publish a uh, how to, you know, how I made a a bajillion dollars last year and I'll teach you to do the same thing. Um, I mean, I'm sure those people around even before the internet days, you know what I mean? They're just more prevalent now. Like, You know, they're the infomercial people that have resurfaced in the new generation uh, and just pushing out stuff. I mean, I think the gist of what you're trying to say is just there's no easy way around it. I mean, you spent 40 years in journalism and you started a blog because you worked really hard at it and you honed a lot of those skills and you're constantly relearning how to take good photos, etc. And if you're out there looking for easy wins, you'll find some of these people who promise easy wins, but they're promising crap. Really,
1: and it's even it's even like this in the podcast industry. And, and we all follow two or three people who are the podcast gurus. What's well, the same with them? They just make their money on other people who want to get into that business, not by by what they're doing. And and it's, it's you know I get every now and then I'll get asked, hey, would you come and speak to this podcast group? And I, no, I won't. You know that's not my audience. My audience are our viewers who want to read travel stories. I am not here to talk to other podcasters. I don't I'm not interested. Well, tell us how you did it. Well, I didn't do it by 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 concentrating on the podcast industry. I concentrated by doing a podcast that is like a magazine that people want to listen to and but you know the industry uh it, it, you can tell these guys are fake as soon as you go to one of their websites and it just goes on and on and they tell you the story about how bad they were off and how how hungry they were and how they found this solution and then they Tell you something else, and they never go to the, what, it, what it was that they're trying to tell you. And then you finally see at the very end of this long, convoluted, high-pressure sales pitch that for ninety-seven dollars you can enroll in this course or whatever it is. So I just I know that you're gonna people who are listening to all this are gonna say I can do this. You you can, and you don't need those get-rich-quick guys that tell you that they're the podcast or the online marketing gurus. They're not. The only way they make money is they get people who want to make money buying their products. And uh, it's not going to help you in the long run.
0: And I'm sure we could go on this tangent forever because I feel just as passionately about you about it. Um, But the last thing I'll say on this note is, uh, I mean, just in general on the thought leadership generation, aka it's like, um, I found that there's one way to kind of tell these people apart. And a quick, easy test is uh, if you look at, have they have they done anything other than what they're quote unquote teaching you to do? For example, Mike has been a journalism reporter for forty years, published six books, won a lot of Emmys. Uh, you know, he's not teaching me how to do all those things. I, I'm just trying to say, like, a lot of these people who are trying to teach, you know, how to make money online, like, what have, you know, what have they done in their work? You know, like, where's their fruit? Yeah. 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 Where's the fruits of their relationship? You know, like, I'm okay with buying a $7 book from Richard Branson after he's built a billion dollar empire because I I can see Virgin and I ride their flights and, and, you know, they have their, you know, like, seeing that, you know, like, what have, what have they done? I think that that is like a quick, easy test to see, like, is this person legit or are they full of it?
1: Yep. And if they if they're if their only credential is that they've made money online, look into how they've made money online. And it's by by pushing the things that they're trying to get you to buy. That's how. And, and you don't want to do that. But, you know, follow your passion, develop a passion and uh, and make it a niche and uh, develop, find the audience. And you're you're golden. You're, you're going to have a great time doing what you want to do.
0: Absolutely. Well, the last question I'll ask you, Mike, and just thanks again for, for being on the show with me. But what does success look like in this lifestyle for you? Because I'm sure it's changed over the years now that you've got your, your second career going and road trekking. But what does that look like for you on a day to day basis?
1: Success is having trouble going to bed at night because so many cool thoughts are still running through your mind about the day you just had. And when you wake up in the morning, you wake up anxious to get going because you get to do it all over again. That's success. It's not money. it's uh, it's just uh, loving life and finding your fulfillment with the person you're with and the places you see and and living the life uh, that you want to live. That's that's success. Uh, those two things at night uh, you just you can't sleep because you had such a great time and you're thinking about everything and then in the morning when you wake up, you got so many ideas about what you want to do that day. That's success.
0: I love that so much. Well, thank you again, Mike, so much for being on the podcast with me. And uh, look forward to being on your show, Road Trekking, here yep. uh, next week. And uh, it, it, can you let the audience know where they can find you on all social medias and everything?
1: Um, yeah. Uh, roadtrekking.com. And that's R-O-A-D-T-R-E-K-I-N-G.com. That that will lead you to everything we do, the podcast, everything, and social media as well. Um, it's Road Trekking, the group. and There's a page. But but just if you go to roadtrekking.com, it will link you to everything. And I'm delighted to have you on, on my, my podcast coming up pretty soon. We're going to talk about how uh, your experiences and mine, and how really in your 20s you can do this. This isn't something you have to wait till you retire. And uh, we'll give it a provocative title like uh, why you should quit your job now and travel the country in an RV or something like that.
0: <laughs> I love it <laughs> I so much.
1: That's one of the marketing gurus. have a provocative title. <laughs>
0: Good stuff, Mike. Well, thanks again, man. And I'm uh, looking forward to it. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you want to check out the show notes, all the links that Mike and I mentioned in this episode or go to hit him on his blog or on Facebook, head on over to heathpadgett.com forward slash episode 28. That's episode spelled out and then the number 28 and you can find all the links over there. And if you've been enjoying this podcast, I'd love to hear from you in iTunes. Uh, Right now we're up to 105 star reviews in there and that is really amazing for a podcast that came out in February And for being so niche of being a niche within a niche podcast, as I'd say, entrepreneurship and RVing. Uh, So I just want to say thanks for everyone who's been awesome enough to go over there and leave a review for this show. It seems really small to leave a review, but I read every one of them, and each one of them helps more people find the show. So if you have a second today, I would love for you to hop on over in iTunes and just drop in a review. Let me know how you've been enjoying the show. Uh, It would be great to hear from you. On next episode of the show, I have Josh and Shelly Hartman from Hartman Outdoor Photography who are traveling across the country in their casita trailer taking epic outdoor photos for engagements, weddings, and other events. We'll be talking about how they've built up a successful adventure photography business that allows them to travel full time. I'll see you guys over there.